Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. And you can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us today and enjoy today's service. Church family and welcome. Will you stand with us as we worship? You guys, we are so glad that you're here. And I just wanted to read this scripture together because I think it's such an important reminder. It's found in Romans 8:38, and it says this: For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. And aren't you so thankful for that this morning? God is so good to us and I just, I just felt like I needed to share this morning, like if you are feeling any separation at all, if you're feeling a little bit uneasy, that is not the Lord. He longs to be with you. He longs for you to draw near. He wants to be close to you. So we are going to press in this morning for worship and just give him everything that we have. Let's pray together. Jesus, we just love you. We lay everything down at your feet this morning. Any distractions, any things that are trying to come against us, any lies, we just bind those up in the name of Jesus. And we wanna turn our eyes completely on you. So Holy Spirit, please come have your way. Speak to us, grow us. We are listening, Father, we love you, amen.
So this morning, as a church family, we're gonna be worshiping the Lord with uh, the Lord's Supper. And here at Fellowship, it's open communion. All you have to have is a relationship with Jesus. So if you know Jesus, you can take part in today's communion service. Well, communion was given to us from the Lord as a gift. And that gift is just as a reminder for what he did. Now, once a year, you know, we have Easter and, and Easter is always a time when you can really, really f- reflect on, on him sacrificing himself for us. He died on the cross. He, he was risen from the dead. But Jesus knew also how we are and how we can tend to forget. So he gives us this ordinance as the Lord's Supper, as a reminder that we wouldn't just remember what Jesus did for us on the cross once a year, do it throughout the year. And so we just, we do communion once every couple of months and, and we get questions from time to time, like, why don't we do that more? Why don't we do it on a, on a weekly basis? Well, I grew up in a church where we did it every week and it got to a point where it lost its specialness, if that's a word. <laughs> it lost its meaning after a while because we just did it so much. It kind of turned into a ritual. So here at Fellowship, we wanna do it and make it to where there's some time in between to where we can reflect, but also when we do have communion together, that it is special. Well, could you imagine what that might've been like with Jesus on that night? You think about the fact that he just called his buddies together. He called his friends together. He knew what was gonna happen the next day. And so he said, you know what? Let's, let's, let's have dinner together. Let's, let's just have a time where we can, we can talk knowing what was gonna happen, if that were you, what would you talk about? I mean, what would you want for dinner for your last supper? That's what Jesus was facing. And so he calls his friends together and he decides, you know what? I'm gonna talk to him about what's about to happen. And then I'm gonna give him this gift so that they can do this again in the future. And they can remember me. And so we look at scripture and. 1 Corinthians, and this is Paul's account. And wherever you are this morning, you should have received your cup and uh, the bread. So if you want to get those out, don't feel like you have to go back to your seats. You can stay where you're at for worship. If you want to go ahead and get the bread out. The Bible says on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks for it. So let's do that. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this bread. We thank you for what it represents. What it represents your body, which was broken for us. And so we commit that over to you. And also, Lord, the juice and what it represents, your blood, which saved us, Jesus. It forgave us of our sins. It washes us white as snow. You were the final sacrifice. Thank you for that. And now, Lord, we just want to make our hearts right. We just want to... We just want to forgive anybody we need to forgive. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would bring to mind anyone, Lord, that we need to forgive. We just want to ask for forgiveness for anything we've done. Forgive us, Jesus, for mistakes we've made, choices that we shouldn't have made. Forgive us, Jesus, like only you can. Thank you for what this represents. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for us. Thank you, Jesus, for, for, for being raised again. God, for raising your son again so that we might have a hope and we might have a future. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Then he broke it into pieces and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. took the cup of wine after supper saying this cup is a new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again love the way Jesus ended that scripture. He said, he's coming again. He's coming again. We're living in those end days where we 
might see Jesus come again. Scripture goes on to say that there will come a day when we're in heaven and we're celebrating, we're at a wedding feast, this wedding between Jesus and his people, the church or the bride. And we have a seven year celebration where we will be able to break bread and drink wine with our savior, Jesus, as the groom for all of us. Thank you, God, for that. We love you. Let's give him a praise offering.
God of revival. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move in such a way that there would be a revival in this country like never seen before. Would we know that you're in control of all things. We know that you can make momentum start and, and, and your word grow and catch like fire. And I pray, Lord, that you would do just that. And Lord, for those of us that are in this room right now that lost hope, lost hope with whatever situation we're in, whatever we're facing, we just, we lost hope, Lord. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. We prayed, we've cried out, we've shed tears. I pray, Lord, that you would light it up for us, that you would light it up, that you would light up the path on which we should go, that you would show us every step that we should take. Be that lamp into our feet. Light it up, God, and give us hope. Give us hope again miraculously right now, Holy Spirit, I pray in this room that you would manifest hope and peace in us. Bind up evil spirits of despair, bind up the darkness that might try to work against us. Bind that all up, Jesus, and get it out of our lives and light it up for us. Wherever you're sitting or standing right now, I, I wonder if you might just give over whatever it is that you've lost hope in. Just give it over to Jesus. Right now in your prayer time, just give it to him. And then ask him to light up your path. Give us direct direction, Jesus. Holy Spirit, guide us like only you can. And I pray, Holy Spirit, for every one of us that you would manifest peace. Peace that passes all understanding and hope. And continue to light up our footsteps in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll give the God of light a praise offering. He so deserves it. Well, guys, thank you for coming and being a part of Fellowship Church this morning as you guys are making your way back to your seats. Greet one another and show the love of Christ in his house today. A lot of people around you maybe you haven't met yet. So cool to see what God is doing in our church family and the growth that we're seeing. So I know that many of you may be new. If you are new, maybe you're new here in the auditorium or maybe you're new to watching online, we'd love to have a record of you being a part of our services. We'd also like to get you a invitation to a guest reception that we're gonna be having here in a couple of weeks that will help you get to know some people here, how to learn how to be connected, uh, get an opportunity to meet us as a staff. It's just a really, really good opportunity. And so all you gotta do, whether you're in a house or you're online is just take out your smartphone. If you'll text the word fellowship, uh, to 94,000, you'll be given a link uh, where you can go over and get some more information about the church as well as register. Now, if you are in our services and you are new, and if you don't wanna do that, you can go to our information counter and fill out a visitor's card there. If you do that, then you get free specialty drinks to our coffee shop for everybody in your visiting part, uh, party. And in our coffee shop, our, those ladies know how to make some coffee and guys, some volunteer, you, yeah. Starbucks, what? You know, I'm telling you, it's good stuff. So uh, take advantage of that. We'd love for you to be able to do that. Well, I want to give you guys a special um, invitation to something that we have coming up. We're doing this a little different this year. Uh, we haven't offered Spiritual Warfare 1.0 in, in over a year. And we're going to actually do this this time in a weekend seminar. We're going to start February 10th at 6 o'clock. It's going to go from 6 to 8 on Friday. And then the next morning, we're going to go from about 9 to 3, uh, and then lunch will be included. And then that way, we can go through the entire course in just a couple of days. Uh, you won't have to commit to seven weeks on a Wednesday night. We can do this all in weekend. Now, of course, this is the prerequisite to deliverance or transformation. Now, we have had so many people over the last 20 years, 23 years, uh, go through spiritual warfare. And this changed my life. Like it, it saved my life. I was, uh, had some things that I was dealing with that I had tried counseling and I had tried accountability partners and, and, and basically, pr you know, prayer, fasting at all. And the truth was, is there was a core issue that was demonic coming against my life that I had to learn how to fight. 
Because understand, the devil wants to steal and kill and destroy you. He wants to destroy your families. He wants to destroy your marriage. And he will do that however he, however he can. And, he, and, and the truth is, is, there's all kinds of ways he can do it, but he doesn't have to be creative because he knows our hot button issues. But wouldn't it be cool if we didn't have to deal with that hot button issue anymore? Well, that's what this is all about. This identifies what the issue is. It talks about what spiritual warfare is and, and the things that are happening around us that we can't see. And then identifying like what was the open door that the devil got a foothold in our life and how to close that door. So it is super good. When we wrote this, we did it from uh, uh, the standpoint of, of pain and issues in our own life and just poured our souls into it. And so I'm, been, I'm gonna be teaching this on that Friday and Saturday. It's $40, that includes your book and then also your lunch. If you've done spiritual warfare before and you already have your book, it's only $20. So you don't have to re, uh, rebuy the book. Super easy to register, you can go. In fact, we have this morning, a really cool a booth set up that has all of our classes and small groups on it that uh, will uh, be able to, uh, where you can sign up and get connected. But if you have more questions about about it, just come back and see me. I will be back there. I'll try to answer those for you. But it's going to be an awesome, awesome uh, weekend, and we want want you to be a part of it, especially if you haven't done it before. If you have, would like to refresh your memory on the course, you can do that as well. Well, we're going to continue to worship with the giving of tithes and offerings. We've been worshiping him with music. We worshiped him uh, with the Lord's Supper, and now we're going to worship him with giving. You guys know all the ways you can give here. You can give online. You can give uh, through the Church Center app. You can text tithe, uh, or you can just drop it off at a box in the lobby. Uh, but as you get ready to give this morning, let me just say a prayer of blessing over you. Lord, we want to worship you now with the things that you've given us, and you've given us so much. Thank you, Lord, for every gift. And I pray, Lord, that now as we faithfully give back to you what is yours, what you've asked for, I pray, Lord, that you would bless us like only you can. Open up the windows of heaven like you promised in your word. And thank you, Lord, that we have an opportunity to worship you this way. Continue to bless us. Continue to take care of us, regardless of what's going on in this world with its economy. Lord, when we give and when we tithe, our blessings are based on your glorious riches. And so we praise you for that. So bless us now as we give like only you can. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you as you give. Here's some more things that are happening this quarter here at Fellowship. Good morning, Fellowship Church. We are so glad that you chose to join us. Please make sure to invite someone for this series all about changing our perspectives on life. Our midweek classes start this Wednesday. It's not too late to sign up for any of the courses. Whether it's financial peace or Christian life hacks, there's something for everyone in all walks of their faith. You can sign up on the Church Center app or at the Adult Ministries Expo in the west end of the lobby. While you're over there, you can also meet the leaders of the groups and get more information for any of our courses, including those that are offered throughout all days of the week. We have a church-wide baptism coming up. If you have a relationship with Jesus and you want to take your next step in declaring to others what Jesus has done in your life, we encourage you to join us on February 12th for our baptism. You can sign up on the Church Center app. As always, if you missed any of these announcements, you can always visit fellowshipgj.com events. We are on our third week of our series, Reframe, and this week we are discussing how to reframe our goals.
this year, but I don't like the term New Year's resolution. I prefer the term casual promise to myself that I'm under no legal obligation to fulfill. And my goals for 2023 include finishing the list of goals I made for 2022 that I actually decided to do in 2021 that I promised myself I'd do in 2020, but here we are. And so this is the time of year that people set goals. And we researched and we found the top five categories of goals that Americans tend to set in the month of January. And we're going to share them with you this morning. The first category of goal is family. We make a lot of goals about how we're going to spend time with our family and improve in our families. And so a common goal might be, I plan, I, I want to spend more time dating my spouse this year. And so we frame that goal in. Or we might say, I want to um, really connect with my teenager, invest in those moments that we have together before they're gone, make some memories. Or you might say, it's my goal that my kids would learn to read more this year. Oh, that one's easy. Um, what I do is I just turn on the subtitles while my kids are watching on their tablet. <laughs> if you want them to learn a second language, you can put them on in Spanish. Um, that one's for free. You can use that one. Th thanks, Sean. You're welcome. Uh, the, se the second category of goals that we make is spiritual goals. So we might say, I want to read my Bible more. I want to pray more. I want to come to church in person. Congratulations to all of you. But we set goals about our spiritual growth. We know that we want to continue to grow spiritually. And then the most common category of goal for the month of January is, of course, our health goals. We say we want to do something in January to just become more healthy. And usually that is lose weight or get in shape. And so we make that a huge goal. And the truth is that all of society, all of culture is like pushing against the goal of us being physically healthy. And so I've found that if you're going to make a health goal, you might need to memorize a motivational saying to keep yourself on track. Something like, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. Yeah. Yeah, except for donuts, though, because donuts <laughs> taste like skinny can jump off a cliff. Yeah. I've been trying to get a beach body myself this year, but I've ended up with what I call a reach body, okay. which is where I just keep reaching into the fridge or the pantry and eating what's ever in front of me. I've gained like 15 pounds. So that's not working. But I understand. I want to be healthy. So this year I decided in the name of health that I would not remove the lettuce and tomato from my burger. That's smart. That's smart. Yeah. yeah. Got to take it where you can I get it. I get it. You know, I, I hate when I'm eating a salad and then I accidentally throw the salad in the trash and then I have to eat pizza uh, for the next four meals. Like, ah, don't you just hate that? I like, hate you have that. to, right? I, I made an omelet this morning because I thought, you know, eggs, that's mm -hmm. healthy. And I, it turned out great. I seasoned it with a little bit of sugar, a little bit of oil, a little bit of chocolate, threw in some flour for texture. Okay, I ate cake, all right? Oh, I right, ate yeah, cake. that makes sense, that makes sense. I was at the doctor, and he uh -huh. told me I need exercise, and I said, you said extra fries, right? And then he said, no, I said exercise, and I looked him deeply in the eye, and I said, you said extra fries. I haven't been back since. Yeah, that's good. I hate it when people say hurtful things like, do you want to go for a run, or do you want to try this kale? I'm just no. rude. It is rude. It, really. Okay, so the fourth category of goals is we make financial goals. We say we want to do things like get out of debt or maybe set ourselves up for retirement. And so we frame in a financial goal. You know, they always say more money, more problems, but I got 99 problems and money could fix literally 83 of them. <laughs> so I don't really get the sentiment there. I, I, I'm not, it's not something I understand either. Category five, time goals. And for me, this one, the older I get in my life, the more I realize how important it is to really think about your time, to make a decision, to invest it deliberately so that a day, a week, a month, a year doesn't go by and you're like, what? What was I doing? So because that's important to me, I was on social media the other day and I saw this meme and it really resonated with me. Let's take a look. It says, guess who's all caught up on laundry? It's not me. I'm pretty sure someone is, and I'm proud of you. And so I think the time investment piece becomes about making a plan, right? Like if we make a plan, we set a goal, we say this is what we're going to do, that can really help us get some of those basic tasks done. I don't know if that always works, though. Like I saw this meme while I was on social media the other day, um, and it says, how to stay on top of laundry when you have kids. One, you can't. 
Two, find a new goal. You can apply this to cleaning your house. You can apply this to doing dishes. <laughs> like, it's a universal truth. Okay. So these five categories that we tend to set goals in, and then we have to decide, are we going to go after them? And you might be sitting here going, JL, I'm just not a goal setter. I just don't make New Year's resolutions. That's how I manage not to fail at achieving them. But the truth is, whether we're passively setting goals or actively setting goals, our life is still moving in a direction. And so if we fail to goal set, then we're just not participating in which direction it's going to end up in. So I challenge you to not only set some goals, but also consider, do my goals need to be reframed? We framed in our goals. We said, this is what we're about three weeks into January. How's it going? And do you need to consider reframing in your goal to be something even more significant? So the Apostle Paul is a great example. I think he must have been an incredible goal setter because he accomplished so much in his life. In Philippians chapter 3, there's actually a list that he writes out of all the things that he accomplished. And I love this text of the Bible because I think it's laced with sarcasm. And sarcasm is a language I understand because I've worked with teenagers for 25 years. And teenagers are fluent in this. So we're going to read this verse and just recognize there's a lot of sarcasm. Verse uh, 3 through 6. It says, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Eye roll emoji. I asked them to put that in there because I think that's the tone. Verse 5, the Apostle Paul continues and he says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. TMI, Paul. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as far as righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. So Paul's making a list of his goals here. He says, religious authority, check. Education, check. Political power, check. Zeal against those who are wrong on social media. Oh, zeal against those who are wrong, check. He like lists his accomplishments and he checks each one off right there in the Bible. He had it all. He gives even more evidence of his accomplishments in Galatians 1. He says this, you know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion. How I went after Christians mercilessly, hunting them down and doing my best to get rid of them all. Okay, we're going to come back to that sentence. I was the most religious Jew my own age in the whole country. And I tried as hard as I possibly could to follow all the old traditional rules of my religion. Okay, so to really unpack this verse, we have to understand this truth. That Jesus was not a Christian. Jesus, when he came to earth, he did not come as a Christian. He actually was a Jewish person. He was born a Jew. He was born to be the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ of the Jews. And we just get to cash in on that. But Jesus was born into a Jewish household, into the Jewish religion, to fulfill the promises that God had made centuries before to the Jewish people. Centuries before, Abraham was asked by God to sacrifice his son. And Abraham brought his son Isaac up onto the mountain and bound him as if he was going to sacrifice. But God stayed his hand and said, we don't, we don't do human sacrifice. But that act of faith by Abraham set up the fact that God was going to sacrifice his son. Abraham did it first, so that opened the door for God to fulfill his own promise. Incidentally, theologians believe that the mountain that, that Abraham brought his son to sacrifice is actually Calvary, where Jesus died on the cross. So Jesus came not to start a new religion, but to fulfill a religion that was already in existence for thousands of years, to be the Messiah or the Christ of the Jewish people. Well, the religious leaders, the Jews... The Pharisees, they didn't like that. 
They didn't like that at all because the way the system existed right then when Jesus was there, they had all the power and all the authority and all the prestige and all the honor, and they liked the system how it was. They didn't want the Messiah to come in humility like he did. And so as a result, they deemed that people that believed that Jesus was the Christ or Messiah, they deemed those people to be a Jewish cult. And so anyone who was a Christian or the early church was considered to be a part of a cult. So Paul, who was a Jew, he made it his goal to stomp out this cult before it take root and destroy Judaism. And so that's kind of what's going on in this passage. Paul is saying, hey, I, I tried to stomp that out because in my belief system, these guys were a cult. And the Apostle Paul, he made goals and he accomplished his goals. He set out to do things he, and he, then he did them. He disciplined himself. He surrounded himself with people that were of similar like mind and goals. And he did give up. He worked hard. And if you set goals for 2023, those same three principles will serve you well. Self-discipline, surrounding yourself with people with similar goals, and working hard and not giving up. Paul framed his goals in in his life. He said, this is what I'm about. And he went after them. And I like that. I respect that, honestly. But Paul came to a point in his life where he realized the very things that he was pursuing were actually maybe not worth it. Philippians 3, we read from it earlier. Now we're going to pick it up in verse 7. Paul's speaking and he said, I once thought these things were valuable. What are these things? In this case, he means the things that we just read about, that he was circumcised on the eighth day, that he was of the tribe of Benjamin, that he was a Pharisee, that he was the, the most religious Jew in his generation. He once thought those things were super valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I can gain Christ and become one with him. Same verse, amplified translation, it says, but more than that, I count everything as loss compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and growing with him more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with him, a joy unequaled. For his sake, I have lost everything and consider it all garbage. Another translation, NLT says, consider it less than nothing. King James says, consider it dung so that I may gain Christ. See, the Apostle Paul has climbed this ladder of success, and he's standing on the top rung of the ladder of success as a young man. He's wealthy, he's educated, he's in a powerful position, and he's at this top rung of the ladder having achieved his goals and realizes the ladder I've climbed is on the wrong wall. I've achieved, I'm winning, but I climbed something that's insignificant. There's a New York Times best-selling book that's called um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's by Stephen Covey. And here's a quote. It says, if the ladder is not leaning against the right wall, every step we take just gets us to the wrong place faster. If the ladder's not leaning against the right wall, every step we take just gets us to the wrong place Faster. And that's what the Apostle Paul realized. I'm successful, I'm winning, I'm accomplishing all my goals. But in the end, are the goals that I'm pursuing really worth it? Because Paul was at this point in his life all about show. He had so much popularity from being a religious leader. He would walk through a crowded market and out of respect, the people would part for him to go through. He was so well known. He had all of these things, but... Was that just for show? Were the goals he accomplished just to show off? Or were the goals that he made and set and accomplished to grow? And we have to ask ourselves that same question. Are my goals to grow or are my goals to show? Am I doing things to grow or am I just doing things to show? And the Apostle Paul realized, I've got to reframe my goals. I've got to reprioritize what I'm all about because I'm winning at the wrong things. 
And so how did he get back on track and what can we learn from that? Three steps to reframe our goals this morning. The first one is have an encounter with Jesus. Have an encounter with Jesus. If you want to reframe your goals, you've got to have an encounter. So the Apostle Paul, he's a Jewish leader and he's in the city of Jerusalem. And he meets with all the other Jewish leaders and they give him like a notarized paper, a document saying that he can take this document across Israel to the city of Damascus. And with this, this gives him the authority and permission to find anyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah of the Jewish religion, and he can arrest them and bring them back in chains to Jerusalem. And so the Apostle Paul is proud of this. He's excited that he has this letter, and he's walking from Jerusalem to Damascus, and on that road, Jesus appears to him. Now, to put this in a timeline of like what's going on in history, Jesus actually died on the cross and rose from the dead four to seven years, scholars say, before this moment. So Jesus, when Paul's making that trek, Jesus is already in heaven. He's already resurrected. He's already kicking it on the throne next to God with his feet up and lemonade. Like he is in heaven already. But he makes an appearance. Some people say in a vision. Some people say in bodily form. But somehow he comes and makes an appearance to the Apostle Paul and says, hey, why are you persecuting me? Like, why are you? And this encounter with Jesus that Paul has radically changes everything about his life, about where he's going, what he's doing, and what his goals are that he's trying to accomplish. And in this moment, he's transformed. And each one of us needs to have an encounter with Jesus. I hope that everyone in this room has had an encounter with Jesus called salvation. Where you're in your life, that you're, you recognize that you're on this journey and you're headed in a direction. And at some point, most people begin heading in a direction that's about themselves, that's selfish, self-absorbed. They make decisions based on what's comfortable or convenient. They might trip over sin. And so we're headed in this direction. At some point, every human being has to say, wait a second, the direction I'm headed is not God's direction. I am wrong. I have made mistakes. I've sinned. I want to turn and do a 180 and go back in God's direction. And this act of turning a 180, that's literally the definition of the word repentance. We repent from the way we were going and we turn a 180 and we go back in the other direction. So we're in the path of life. We have to make that turn. If we haven't made that turn, we haven't really encountered God. If we haven't turned and said, I was going the wrong way and I now give lordship and leadership of my life to Jesus from here forward, I challenge you to talk to someone about that before you leave. You can find any person with a name tag and they'll help you find a pastor or a leader that can pray with you and help you make that turn in your life. But I hope everyone will do that where we have an encounter with Jesus called salvation. But that's not the only encounter we need to have to reframe our goals. If we're going to reframe our goals, we have to have a daily encounter with Jesus. Pastor Hooper would call that coffee with God. Where we stop every morning, we sit down with our Bible, we pray, we read it. Maybe we capitalize on our 10-minute commute and we worship, singing worship songs at the top of our lungs to our God. But we have that moment every day where we're encountering Jesus. As Christians, we like to quote Jeremiah 29, 11. The Bible verse that says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. God knows the plans he has for us. God knows the goals that he set for us. But do we know his goals for our life? Or are we just making goals and hoping that God will bless them? God plans these things and we have to have an encounter, a conversation with him, lest we climb the ladder that's leaning against the wrong wall. So the first step to reframing our goals is we must have an encounter with Jesus. The second step is we have to view our goals through the cross. Matthew 16 says this, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. When Jesus makes this statement, the cross is an instrument of execution. It's not a gold piece of jewelry that people wore. And so when Jesus is saying this, he's saying, you got to turn away 
from your comfort as your God. Turn away from convenience and you have to turn to something uncomfortable and inconvenient and make me the Lord of your life. So Paul, he gets to this place in his life where he realizes I'm winning and achieving, I'm successful, but all of my goals are wrong. I framed in the wrong goals. So Paul abandons his old goals of power and prestige and, and notoriety in the marketplace, and he remakes his goals, he reframes them in light of the cross of Jesus. He redefines success. So what does that look like for us? We have our five main categories of goal. What does that look like right now in 2023 for us to redefine success, redefine our goals, reframe our goals in, in terms of the cross. I think many parents have a goal that their kids would be happy and healthy. That's what we want, right? We want our kids to be happy and healthy. That's an easy goal to agree with. But here's the truth. Our children are eternal beings. They will live forever in either heaven or the opposite, right? Our children are eternal beings. They're going to live forever. And really, more than their happiness or even their health, my goal, our goal for our children has to be that they would know Christ. That they would know Christ and make him known. That's the real goal. Right? And so when we reframe that goal with the cross of Christ in mind, then all of a sudden Jesus and his cross is in the forefront of any goal we might set for our kids. Spiritual goal. We might say, man, my spiritual goal is I want to have coffee with God every day. Every day I'm going to keep track. I'm going to make sure. I'm going to give myself like a star on my little chart. And we don't, or maybe you want to make a Bible reading streak in the Bible app, whatever it is. But is that really the goal? Of course not. The goal isn't to win and get a high score. The goal is that I would hide God's word in my heart, that I might not sin against him. The goal isn't stars in the chart. The goal is connection with God and intimacy with him. So we might have a health goal. And a health goal is, we never say this one out loud because this is awkward, but a lot of people have this goal that they won't admit to, and it is that they would look good when they're at the gym, right? And you can tell these people because they take the selfie of themselves at the gym with the gym equipment in the background, or they take a picture of their healthy plate that they're eating, their hashtag health goals, right? Okay, so we say we want to, we, we set our goals, like I want to look good. But that motivation is going to go away. The reframe of that is that we recognize that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. That God dwells within us. And that's kind of the only motivation that I can find that's going to keep me moving forward towards my health goal with the cross of Christ. Um, the cr it's upside down. <laughs> let, let me reframe that for you. Reframe that, would you? There we go. The cross of Christ has to be in the forefront of our goals. Financial goal. I want to sit, I want to retire and like sit on a beach forever. Those are my people, right? Like... I, I feel that goal so much, but I recently had a conversation with a couple in our church family that's empty nesters, and their adult children are now serving our nation in the military, and I was talking to her about a job change and some things she was facing, and she, I asked her, what is your goal? And without hesitation, she said, our goal is to make as much money as possible, and I was like, yep. And then she said, to quit our jobs together as a couple so that we can go serve Christ together. Like maybe get an RV and go from city to city and invest in, in churches. Not draw a wage, but just help them. Or show up at an orphanage. And, and I was like, wow, that's a reframe goal. Now is God calling every believer for that to be their retirement? No. But we have to press into his presence and ask him, what is your goal for us in retirement? We reframe our goals in light of the cross of Christ. And a time goal, we might say, I want to get caught up in things, like I got my to-do list, I got my housework, I want to get caught up in the housework. And if 2020 taught us anything, it's that more time at home is not what we needed to clean the house. All the time in the world, and we're still behind in that. So maybe the better goal becomes I want to invest my time in things that matter. And so we ask ourselves, when I come to the end of my life, what if when I come to the end of my life, I find that my goals and the things I pursued were not worthy of the one and only life that Christ offered me? 
What if I get to the end of my life and I find everything I went after wasn't worth it? And that's why we have to challenge ourselves to reframe our goals and make sure that the things that we're pursuing are worth our pursuit. Number three, we have to be ready to experience hardship for the goals that we set. Again, using Paul as the example, he's, he's talking to people that are against him in 2 Corinthians 11, and he's basically saying, my goals and my position, he's kind of defending himself against them. I'll just, I'll read it. It says, whatever they dare boast about, I'm talking like a fool again. I dare boast about it too. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number. I have faced death again and again, five different times. The Jewish leaders, who were his friends, gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Not that kind of stone, Colorado. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day. And he goes through all these hardships that he encountered. And he had these hardships because he reframed his goals. If he had just kept going along the way the Jewish people had gone along for centuries, he would have been accepted. But he experienced hardships because he made his goals with the cross of Christ in mind. And if you have framed in some goals that you're like, this truly matters to us. You will experience friction, persecution, and hardship as you try to keep your goal. For example, say that your goal is a family goal, and it's to make sure that your teenagers grow up knowing Christ, like we talked about earlier. Well, you're going to encounter some friction because sports practices and games are going to get scheduled in the middle of church on a Sunday or on a Wednesday or Tuesday night when your teenager should be in 4640. And you're going to have that friction, and you're going to have that choice like, are you going to tell the coach my, my child will be leaving 30 minutes early from that practice because more important they know the voice of God than the voice of their softball coach? Like, that's unpopular. It's cringy. There will be friction to that. There will be friction to they come home and they're overloaded on homework and they're stressed out and it's church night. And what are you going to do? Are you going to say, you know what? You've put in a good amount of effort. It's okay if you get a two instead of a three. Let's go. It's church night. Like, we're going to have to decide when our teenager throws attitude in our face and we want to ground them from everything that they love. But at our church, they love church. Do you ground your teenager or do you say, you know what, even though they deserve some consequence, we're going to say, but not church. Because we want them to know God and make him known. And so when we have goals, we're going to encounter some friction, some tension, some hardship and persecution. If we have a health goal, we're going to have to encounter like the internal temptation and friction of the drive through is a lot easier than cooking healthy dinner at home. That saying yes to the piece of cake at work is easier than getting teased for throwing it away. We're going to have that friction within ourselves. And any goal worth achieving is going to come with a little bit of tension to pursue. At Fellowship Church, we actually have a goal for you. The pastors, we've gotten together, we've set goals. We've said we want everyone in our church family to go on this journey. And we taught this a couple years back. There's posters everywhere, graphics on TV screens, but we tend to walk by it. So for a quick review... Our goal is that each one would go on a journey through the next steps. The first step is that everyone would connect with Christ. Connect. Connect with Jesus and then begin to connect with other believers. Someone else within the church family. That's our goal. We don't want you to come in and, and know no one and leave. Connect. The second step is growth. And growth is simply about growing in your faith. Growing by coming on a Sunday morning, worshiping, taking in the messages, growing by choosing a class or a seminar that we're offering, growth, something to grow our faith. The third is to serve. Statistically, 80% of Christians are consumers at church and 20% serve. And we want to flip that statistic. We want 80% of our church family invested in growing the kingdom of God, hosting a life group, Ushering, security, children's ministry, something during the week that's like growing and serving God's kingdom. We want 80% and 20% can be consumers because those are the people just arriving. 
And we want to create an environment where they can actually connect with Christ and grow. And so that becomes our responsibility. So that's step three, serve. And step four is express. Express is when we learn to express our faith in Christ. Like we know our story and we're telling it to our coworkers or the people we're watching our kids play sports together. It's we learn who we were before Christ. We learn to tell the story. This is who I was. Then I encountered Christ. This is who I am now. Come and see. So expressing is us talking about our faith publicly. So expressing giving and generosity falls under expressing. Stepping up and hosting a life group in your own home. Anything that helps you communicate to others that your faith is critical to you. And so if you're at Fellowship Church, you should be able to look at that graphic and say, well, I'm somewhere between grow and serve. And so my next step is to start serving. And if you ever get bogged down and you're not sure about your growth plan, there's a pergola on the east end. You can stop by and say, hey, I'm stalled out. What's my next step? And they'll help you figure that out. But we're, our goal as a church is that we're all progressing on the same journey moving forward. And that's not easy. And it takes reframing sometimes. You guys heard like a couple months back we were doing our series about life groups and connecting and how important it is. And I admitted publicly that I hate small groups, okay? And, but I said, hey, I, I hate it because it's hard, but it's worth it. And so my husband and I, we had committed that we're going to start a life group. And so we started a life group. We gathered some other families. And these people are awesome. I love these people. We laugh together. We, um, we share meals together and all of that. And we were getting a lot of momentum. And then the holidays hit, okay? And like, got busy, so we took a week off, and then we took another week off, and now we haven't met since like the beginning of December. But if I'm saying it's my goal to progress through these steps, that I want to be growing, that I want to be connecting, that I want to be serving, I want to be expressing, then I have to now stop and go, okay, the holidays are over. How do I reframe that? How do I reframe that goal in light of my priorities? And maybe as you're looking at your life, maybe there's some goal that you had that you were doing that you stopped doing. And I'll challenge you to think about that and maybe make a choice to go, I need to reframe. I need to get back to that thing that I was doing that was valuable. Or I need a new twist on a goal that I set even in January. So if you would, let's just close our eyes for a second. And let's just ask God. God, you know the plans you have for us. So what are they? What are the goals? What are the things that we were doing that you want us to go back to? What are the things that we should start doing? What are the things that we should stop doing? And God, we ask that this week that you would reveal those next steps to us in all the areas of our life, in our family, in our finances, in our time, investment, health, spiritual. God, show us what our next steps are. We'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, next Sunday we're finishing up our series Reframe, and Pastor Hooper will be back to share with us his thoughts. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on a cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name. If you have just prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with one of our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you need prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting PRAYER SUPPORT to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this is your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text FELLOWSHIP to 94000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week in person or online.